the heart of art, scoping the Brussels Valley for the best artists and bringing them to your radio. Ladies and gentlemen, your host, Hector Nino. Hello, good evening everyone, and welcome back to the Heart of Art. My name is Hector Nino, and to start off the show, we're going to go over some a couple of announcements. Uh, the first one is that the email for you to email any art events or any artists is theheartofart.tamu.edu. If you know of anyone who is willing to be interviewed, who wants that exposure, or if you yourself have any announcements that you'd like to relate to our audience about art here in the Brazos Valley, feel free to email theheartofart.tamu.edu, and I will get back to you as soon as I can. Um, we have a, an event here at the Stark Galleries in the MSC that, that will be ending this Sunday, March 20th, so make sure you go check it out. It is called Pulped Under the Pressure, the Art of Handmade Paper, and this um, expose has traditional hand paper making at its core, but it also includes its history and the craft that is being used. And it also highlights some pressing issues such as the environmental crisis that we are facing today. So make sure to go check that out. Um, the Academy of Visual and Performing Arts is actually hosting She, a Choreo Play, which it was created by choreographer Gina Parker and directed by Phaedra Michelle Scott. Um, this will take place March 23rd uh, at 7 p.m. in the Rudder Auditorium and is a choreo play about violence against women and survivors of abuse who are healing from this trauma. So if you're interested in this, make sure you go check that out uh, online at the Academy of Visual and Performing Arts website. And for our two guests today, we will be first talking to Diane Cahill-Bedford, who is a clinical associate professor here at uh, A&M in the Dance Science Department. And we talk a little bit about her teaching pedagogy and how important that is for her. Uh, and for the second portion, we will actually be um, listening to really good music by the United States Army Field Band and Soldiers Chorus. Uh, this was actually something that I recorded myself in their concert last Friday. Um, and I want to give a big thank you to Dr. Jim Ball, who is the director of the Academy of Visual and Performing Arts, for allowing me to be there, uh, as well as Chrissy Day, who is the stage manager at the Rudder Auditorium. Thank you so much for facilitating this whole thing for me. Um, and yeah, the Army Field Band and the Soldiers Chorus perform Soundtrack of the American Soldier, which is actually a Grammy-nominated album. Uh, and they were nominated for Best Immersive Audio Album. And I really hope you guys enjoy. Let's start the show. Hello, good evening, everyone, and welcome back to The Heart of Art. I'm your host, Hector Nino. And alongside me in the KMU studios is a very special guest. Uh, she was actually one of my professors in back in the spring of 2018. Uh, her name is Diane Cahill Bedford, and she is currently the clinical professor in the dance science program here at Texas A&M, and is a very decorated choreographer with uh, showings all over the US. If you'd like to check out her work, you can go to her website at dianecahillbedford.com. Hello, Diane, how are you today? I'm great. How are you, Hector? Doing great. I'm excited for our conversation today. I haven't seen you in so long. <laughs> how have you been? 
Well, you know, like anything, it's always crazy and hectic and at A&M, but good overall. Just lots of changes on the front now with uh, the university establishing a school of visual and performing arts. So that's exciting right. to see where that'll go. But Yes. Um, so I saw you went to Florida State University. Are you originally from Florida? Mostly. My family moved to Florida when I was about 10 years old. My mom was a nurse, and she was transferred to a hospital there. And so I mainly say that I grew up in Florida. I didn't come from a military family, but I did move around a lot. All right. Okay. <laughs> but Florida's definitely the longest place that I live besides Texas. Mm, okay. Um, would you say that your love for dance started in Florida? Oh, no. Actually, I started dancing when I was four years old. Oh, wow. Okay. Very so, young. yeah, it just, it grew, obviously, um, as I got older and became more serious about it, but I'd been dancing for a long time, and I think it was probably about middle school I decided, okay, I really want to be more serious about this and take on more lessons and more training. All right, so it was pretty early on because, I mean, your bachelor's was in dance and English literature, correct? Yes. And then a master's in dance performance and choreography. So you really, you knew what you wanted to do and you went for it. Yes. Um, <laughs> what type of research did you do for your master's? Well, the MFA that I completed at Florida State University, again, as you said, was an emphasis on performance and choreography. Mm -hmm. One of the areas that I was most interested in exploring was dance and technology. Okay. So it's not necessarily a track that is written on the degree, but there are lots of different tracks that you can pursue, and that was of interest to me. So being able to combine dance with specialized projection design, um, camera work, dancing for the camera, dance film, and just a whole different slew of how we incorporate technology with dance to kind of make these total theater pieces, if you will. Right. So that was a big proponent of my work there and a big area of interest that I like to explore. I feel like I've seen a little bit of that because I do remember seeing your uh, show Aurora Borealis. Yes. It was lights and props and it was, it was awesome. <laughs> yes, thank you. Of course. Um, I'm, I see that people have been coming to you for your expertise as well. You've done um, international conferences as well as national ones. Mm -hmm. And just to mention a couple, uh, National Dance Educators Organization, you've spoken for them, as well as the International Association for Dance, Medicine, and Science. Yes. I mean, that must be feel awesome to be recognized like that. <laughs> it is. I mean, part of what we do through our position at A&M is teaching presentations and research, uh, even though I'm a clinical associate faculty, which is a teaching emphasis, we still have those components of research and service and sharing what we do. And for me, I really love sharing my pedagogical practices and what I do in my different classes. So being able to present at these conferences not only gives me an opportunity to learn and see and talk to other professionals in my field and hopefully glean some information I can bring back into my work, but also to share what I do in the hopes that maybe it would help someone else in their process. Awesome. I love that, that you, everyone's learning from each other. Yes. Okay. Um, okay. Well, let's move on and segue a little bit more into dance itself. Um, 
And my first question here is, why do you dance? Oh, gosh. I Well, part of it, as I said, I grew up dancing. Mm-hmm. But I think that for me, I don't know any other way that I feel the most expressive of who I am. I really just become absorbed in the music and the feeling and the artistry of movement and what I can convey to the audience, what kinds of thoughts can I stoke in them and just being able to share that that part of myself just feels like there are no words and there is a famous quote about that from a choreographer named Doris Humphrey says there's just sometimes there are no words and that's why I love dance is just for that medium of being able to fully express myself and the different sides of my interest and take on characters and just being able to connect with audience members and connect with myself. Awesome. Would you say it's cathartic in a way? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. I always feel when I'm done with a dance class, especially now, I don't get to dance for myself much anymore, but it is just this wonderful feeling of complete, I don't know, relaxation in a way, even though I've worked hard, but it's, it's like a little bit of my soul feels at peace. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like also, you know, in that self-expression aspect, like the fact that it involves like your full brain and concentration, your full body, you know, and it's everything coordinating together. Um, I feel like that's where you get into that mental space. I mean, I know that you also choreograph and and dance. Would you say you have a favorite between the two? Well, I think that it's it's always a difficult transition, I feel like, for dancers to move into other things because at the heart of, I think, what a lot of people do is dance and is perform. And so I love choreography as a means of trying to figure out how to take my ideas and express them through other bodies. And that is just a different kind of artistic and emotional and so for you there's not really a difference between the two I mean I would say that there's a difference but not necessarily that I have a favorite they're both Mm. very rewarding for different reasons okay awesome awesome and um for choreographing um do you have like a specific artistic process how do you how do you start a project that's a really interesting question because I talk about this a lot with choreographers that have a a pretty specific process. And I feel like my process is pretty multi-varied in that depending on the work that I want to do, because I also will choreograph in both the contemporary ballet genre and then the modern or contemporary dance genre. But depending on the piece that I'm doing, sometimes I come to the studio with pre-made movement phrases and ideas that I teach the dancers, I set on them, and then I work on organizing and structuring and cutting things up like a patchwork quilt where I'll fuse this part of that together and this uh, phrase with another part or uh, how that then moves people through the space. Sometimes, as the piece that you mentioned before, Aurora Borealis, 
uh, that was really a collaborative process with my dancers because they were holding flashlights and it was in the dark. And so we were trying to discover, well, what happens when you're holding it here and illuminating this part of another dancer? Or what happens when you hold it behind the white cyclorama in the back and when you get it closer and further away and what happens with the play in shadows? So for that process, there was a lot of the dancers creating movement and ideas based off of suggestions or questions or even just uh, a simple prompt of an idea and then me kind of shaping it, right? right? And looking at what I found interesting or what I wanted to maybe try this. So it really is an experimental process when I work collaboratively right you kind of learn as you go right? yeah okay awesome I love that yeah. this is actually uh, I learned something from your class um, the fact that dance has so many like cultural implications as well I remember we spoke about ballet and how it was very you know high reaching towards the sky you know getting closer to God um, yeah do you have any uh, other interesting uh, things like within dance that highlight certain cultures sure I mean I think one of the main things that I draw attention to is dance that stems from European countries, right? Mm -hmm. So ballet in of itself is a concert dance form, but it came out of court dances from France. So in a lot of ways, it is its own cultural dance because it has a niche, which is European society. And many of the dances that stem from that region, the British Isles, Scotland, or uh, Ireland, Scotland, that they'll have similar qualities of that upright verticality, being on the balls of the feet, you know, looking at cathedrals and paintings, draw your eyes upward, that it also has, as you said, kind of relationship to religion and, you know, where we feel God presides in Christianity or Catholicism or Catholicism. And then you look at dances that stem from uh, the African and Latin diaspora. And those dances tend to be more grounded, more bent knees, more uh, power driven, more earthbound, lots of bending of the spine and lots of improvisation. And that also is reflective of belief systems that are different where the gods reside on earth or in the body. They you know, can take over the body. And so yeah. what I really like to emphasize in the class, and th those are just two examples, is that tradition means something different depending on where you are in the world. And just because this tradition over here in this country is drastically different from this tradition that we shouldn't be placing value judgments on which is better mm -hmm. but rather trying to understand well why why are those characteristics important why are they present how does it reflect society religion community culture beliefs so being able to then understand those cultures helps us understand what dance looks like and I think ultimately helps us understand one another better. Right. Wow, thank you for that insight. I feel like after I took that class, I started seeing dance in a completely different light. So, and Yay. I think our audience will too. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. I know that your focus here at A&M is, you know, the teaching aspect of it. 
And um, I would say, how do you, how do you train someone who might be like a natural born dancer versus someone who might not have that much rhythm or, you know, has doubts going into it? Sure. I would say that I really try to look at every student as an individual. And despite the fact that they may be given the same material, the way that I might approach one student in terms of giving them corrections or feedback or mentoring would be a little different than someone else who maybe doesn't want to perform, maybe they want to pursue teaching. So one of the things that I like to do with my students, especially in my dance technique classes in the beginning is to have them fill out a survey. How do you like to receive information? What kind of corrections work best with you? Do you like hands-on touch corrections? Do you like general corrections that are said to everyone so you're not singled out? Do you like me to come and speak to you closely rather than calling your name across the room if I happen to see something that I want to tell you in that moment. And so I really try to, as best I can, individualize instruction in that way so that every student feels seen, every student feels that whatever their end goal is matters, and that we need to move away from this idea that dance is one size fits all. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow, I love that the education education process is you're actually incorporating the people that are learning it and mm-hmm. they are part of that process as well. I love that. Well, mm-hmm. um, I think we're running out of time, uh, but thank you so much for coming in, Professor Bedford. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for coming in. Uh, I learned so much and I, I bet the audience did too. Well, I really appreciate you having me and it's really fun to share this and hopefully it just gives people a little new light. So thank you for having me. All right, now we will be listening to two songs from the soundtrack of The American Soldier performed by the United States Army Field Band and Soldiers Chorus last Friday at a concert provided by the Academy of Visual and Performing Arts. And the first song will is titled Tribute to Film Composers by John Williams and transposed by Paul Lavender. And this is actually a really fun uh, song where they chose songs from big movies and people were actually encouraged to clap if they recognized what movie it was from. So hope you enjoy.
And the second song that we will be listening to is Annie Laurie by Arthur Pryor, arranged by Robert Issel and Jay Norris. And there's actually an amazing uh, trombone soloist, and his name is Master Sergeant Todd Sterniolo. Hope you enjoy. Thank you. 
All right, you guys. Well, that's the end of our show. Uh, thank you once again to uh, Dr. Jim Ball, to Chrissy Day, uh, as well as uh, Diane Kehoe Bedford. Thank you so much for being part of this project with me. Um, make sure to tune in next week when we will be talking about stained glass. So uh, make sure you tune in for that. Have a good week. <laughs>